many of you are thankful for the Word of God? Would it be okay if we just break this bread of life together tonight? Is that okay? I hope you came in tonight with your hearts and your minds ready to receive of the Lord. If nobody else is enjoying Wednesday night sermon series, I can tell you, Pastor is. I'm enjoying myself. And uh, sometimes, that's just how it's got to be. Sometimes you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you might walk away and say, nobody got anything out of that. But Brother Tobin, I did. Amen. And sometimes it's just for the preacher. I can promise you that. Don't think just because I'm up here preaching have the microphone that I don't need this too. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you, any preacher worth his salt is going to preach these things to himself first. And, uh, and uh, grab a hold of these things that uh, God is dealing and stirring. But we've been uh, looking here over these last Wednesdays. And I told you uh, when we started this sermon series, I said we're going to take our time going through this. And we're going to be looking on what we're calling biblical foundations. Looking upon the things, the doctrines of the word of God uh, uh, as to what we believe. And not only what we believe, but why we believe them. And we have continued, I've continued to point us back to this truth. And the truth is this, is that if there's ever a time that we need to be anchored in God's word, that we need to know what this book says, and that we need to be living it, today is that day. Now is that time. There are so many opinions and arguments and thoughts and superstitions and politics and dissensions and all kinds of things that are going on. There's all kinds of feel-good thoughts and spiritual motivation. Notice what I said there. Spiritual motivation versus preaching and truth of God's Word. And we have now uh, reduced the gospel to a bunch of things to make everybody feel wonderful about themselves and believe that we are better, we can be better, and inside of you is something better. And uh, the truth is, Paul said it best. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Amen, Brother Jake. Don't get quiet on me now. Oh, wretched man that I am. And he said, if anything, he said, I am the chiefest of sinners. But Sister Gloria, Paul did not stay in that place. We find in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul went on in his writings. He had said this. He said, listen. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That lets me know, Brother Keith, I do not stay in a hopeless state. Over the last few weeks, we have covered two subjects, and one of those being all have sinned. And we have dealt with some, of some if I can use the terminology, some subtopics off of that. And we had talked about... Uh, what is sin? And we've talked about uh, the heart of the matter, talking about disobedience to God's word. And, but we, did not, we do not stay there. And we do not stay there because Christ came to die for sinners that they might be saved. Amen. Are you glad for that? And uh, we had started last week, we preached on all can be saved. And I'm so glad for that because I'll tell you right now, Sister Wanda, if that wasn't the truth, I would have been left out. Come on here. 
I know some of you, you've been born again your whole life. You was in the hospital nursery singing Amazing Grace, weren't you? Amen. Your first, your, you didn't have a baby book. They gave you a red back hymnal. And you, you've always been saved. And, uh, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, just in case you forgot, no, you haven't. You haven't always been saved. And I can assure you, Brother Keith, if it was based upon merit, if it was based upon wealth, if it was based upon certain specifics or how good we can be, not only myself, but all of us would have been left out in the cold, alienated from God, but I'm glad that all can be saved. And so we spent some time there last week and looking at the God of whosoever. Man, am I thankful for that. Hallelujah. And I'll just tell you right now, if you weren't here, if you didn't hear that, go back, listen to it. It's one of them. I'd, I'd nearly, Brother Marvin, buy my own tape on that. Amen. And just listen to it. I encourage you, uh, not for uh, excellence and oratory skill, but just the Word of God, very powerful. And the Word of God's not only powerful, but it's impactful. And it'll challenge you and change you. And uh, so tonight we're going to be uh, here uh, still on this subject of all can be saved. But tonight we're going to look at some specifics of salvation. And uh, so tonight, uh, you know how I do. I call it treaching, a little preaching, a little teaching. But uh, we may spend a, a little more time on the teaching side of things tonight. Uh, but uh, I, want you to, I want us to grasp and I want you to understand that when we, when we accept Christ and when we are born again, there are some very specific things that happen. And I want you to understand is that for several in the church, they have an idea or they, there are some who I thank God they can say, yes, I've been born again. Yes, I've been saved. I had a gentleman one time uh, in witnessing to him, I had proposed the question. I said, are you saved? And in his naivety and not knowing really anything about God's word, he said, what do I need to be saved from? He said, what, what, what's going on that I need to be saved? And, uh, and uh, also, uh, when we use terminology such as you could say, are you born again? Or I've been born again. Uh, there are some who, they, they really don't know what that means to be born again. Uh, and we were finding that, uh, Philippian jailer, he asked that question, Brother Coleman, as we were preaching last week to Paul and Silas. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And uh, they were able to tell him in an uncomplicated, unadulterated, very simply, Brother Segura, they told him, said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. And God's so good, he didn't just save the jailer, but brother, uh, uh, you know who you are, I'm looking at you, brother Chad. <laughs> brother Chad, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes when you're calling out people's names, you look at somebody and you know, I know who you are, but sometimes it just don't get there in time. Uh, brother Chad, the, the truth of the matter is, is uh, in this when... They presented him this gospel. The salvation didn't just stop with the jailer, but it impacted his house, amen, his whole house. 
And uh, so we're going to look tonight at some of the specifics of what happens when we are saved. I don't want it to be our testimony that we can just say, well, I'm saved, I'm born again. That's wonderful, Sister Anna, but what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? And is it just individual interpretation? Well, there is the individual experience. Let me tell you that. There is an individual experience. How you came to Christ may be different than the way I did. Where you were born again might have been at a different place than where I was. As far as a physical building or where it was or how it happened. Where, who was preaching or if there was any preaching at all. If it was a church service or if it was somebody you sat down with and they began to share with you about the love of God and they led you to the Lord. and Maybe there was a, a whole different myriad of things that brought you to the place where you accepted Christ. The experience is individual. But I do believe that the work that happens by way of salvation in the life of a believer that there are things that the Word of God is very sure to teach us and tell us these are things that happen in you, to you, and through you when you are born again. Did you know that you can say that you're born again but there not be any fruit of it in your life? Amen. Come on. I, you've heard this analogy before. I could go and stand in my garage and declare all day long I'm a Nissan pickup truck. But it doesn't mean that's what I am. Right? We are in a culture where everybody has something to say. There's identity crisis everywhere. And I won't get into all of that on the rabbit trails we could deal, deal with there. But I will say this is that I believe one of the biggest places there's identity crisis is in the church. Of not knowing who we are in Christ. Of not really understanding what Christ has done for us. And what he is doing in us. And what he wants to do through us. Because the truth of the matter is, if we really did understand that, I can assure you that we would approach some things a whole lot differently. I can promise you that we would practice and live and our testimonies would be sacred, that we preserve them and that our lives glorify Christ when we realize what it cost Him so that we might be born again. And that it's not just something we say. Sometimes people claim their salvation and they quickly affiliate the church that they attend. Who their pastor is. How they were baptized. How, what position they serve in the church. What Paul did. What Mamaw did. What, we, we use a lot of things to associate and let me say this, to validate our salvation. But we're going to look at some things tonight. You said, Brother Jake, you're preaching the choir. That's all right. Choir needs preaching too also. Amen. And so we're just going to get in here and look at this. Stand with me if you would. And we're going to read tonight. If you'd turn with me to Romans chapter 3. 
Romans chapter 3, and I, there's three things on this that we're going to look at, and I'll just tell you right now, as I've been studying, as I've been putting these thoughts together, I can promise you, Brother Tobin, we will not get to all three tonight. So this will be probably a two-parter. Who knows? It might be a three-parter, but we're going we're to get there, and we're going to look at this. Romans chapter 3 uh, starting in verse number 21, Romans 3 and 21. If you're there with me, would you say amen? amen? All right, it says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe. Here again, we're seeing the whosoever aspect. It is available to all and upon all that believe. Listen, for there is no difference. Here again, this is what we had started the sermon series with. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now look at this, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in believeth in Jesus now there's a lot that is said right here and some of you say well, I feel like a lost ball in tall weeds reading all that what does all that look like well we're going to break some of this down and we're going to look at some of these things there's three words in here that I want you to pay attention to and so I've encouraged you on our Wednesday nights, bring a notebook with you. Have something to write something down with. Some of you got a steel trap and you'd say, I've got all the notes right here, Brother Jake. But I'll say this. Here's three words I want you to see that show up in this passage of Scripture. We find the word justification. We find the word propitiation. And we also find the word redemption. And we're going to be looking at these three things. Justification, propitiation, and redemption. Here are three areas what salvation through Christ Jesus, what it provides for us. And so we're going to look at this tonight. Can we pray together one more time? Father, I thank you once again for your word. Thank you for every heart and life. Bless your people. Anoint our hearts and ears to hear and receive what you'd have to say. My mind and lips to preach and declare your word with clarity. Hide me behind the cross, I pray. As always, our desire, Lord, is to see you and hear you. And Lord, meet with us, I pray tonight. Challenge our hearts, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. One of the things when we talk about uh, being born again, what happens in our lives. Now, on the basis and, and, uh, and, 
and uh, if you if you will, you'd say, "Well, brother Jake, I didn't think that this had to be complicated because it simply means that I have believed the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose again the third day. I and I asked Him into my heart, my soul. I repented of my sin. He cleansed me of those sins." And I am forgiven, and I am born again. Yes, that is exactly right. Uh, and, uh, and we are, what I want you to understand is I'm not adding to any of that. I am not overcomplicating anything. But again, what I want us to understand is what happens, what is the significance of the fact, Brother Eli, that our sins have been forgiven? What is the significance and what impact does it mean over the fact that, that Christ was our propitiation? What does that term even mean? What does that sound like? What does it mean, Brother Marvin, when the Word of God says that we have justification? through Christ. We hear the term redemption. What does redemption mean? What do these things mean? And let me say this, not just based upon the fact of that we need to know what we believe and why we believe so that we might be able to share with others or that we might study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. I've said before, you've heard pastors say before, I get nervous. I kind of broke break out out in a rash and get itchy when I hear somebody trying to tell somebody about the things of God and they'll say things like this. It says somewhere in there this, I think. When they use a, a whole conglomerate of words like that, I get nervous. I think it says this in there. I think it's that. Or, Sister Wanda, it may not be even that they refer to the Word of God, but maybe more so it's, well, you know, Papa always said. I love Papa, but be careful because Papa's wit and wisdom may not be biblical. Amen. It just may not. It might be good and moral and upright and maybe a principle involved. But I have seen some folks who were very much in error of God's word because they were holding on to what seemed to be a good-natured, good-valued idea. This is why Paul said this. He said, shun profane and vain babblings. And he said in oppositions of science and, and all of these things, he said, you're going to, and let me say something. He said, you can get so caught up in the stories. You can get so caught up in, and the word of God even uses the term old wives fables. Don't get caught up in those things. He said, because it will misguide you. It will mislead you. The heart above all things is deceitfully wicked. And sometimes a feel-good story, a feel-good opinion, a throwback-to-the-good-old-days mentality might seem completely innocent, but there are some people who have been completely in contradiction to God's Word. And so, one of the things that we've been saying throughout this sermon series, Brother Tobin, we keep going back to truth. We keep going back to God's Word. It is the compass. It is the lamp. It is the light. David said this. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Because here's the thing. 
is that you can feel like what you're doing is okay. Amen. I'm, you're going to help me preach tonight whether you like it or not. I'll encourage you along the way. You can feel like, you can say, well, I don't feel this is wrong. I don't think this is wrong. And here's our favorite that we like to say, well, so-and-so does it. I mean, I see Laura do it. I've seen uh, Lindy do it. I've seen Chad do it. And surely if they're doing if, if they're doing, and you remember what Mama said? Well, if they all jumped off the bridge, would you do it too? Come on. But yet we will use people, their practices, their analogies, their ideologies to set a precedence in our lives and validate our salvation experience. And here's something why we need to know this, why we need to anchor this down. Why, Brother Matthew, we need to know what does it mean to be justified? Why is it? Because not, not just in the context of being able to share with somebody. Because nine times out of ten, Brother Michael, if you're leading somebody to the Lord, most of the time somebody's not going to look at you across the table and say, explain to me the ins and outs of what it means to be justified by faith. No. Most of the time, you're dealing with somebody so broken, so wrecked, so ruined. All they know is that this life is empty, that it's hopeless, that they're lost, that they're a mess, that they're a wretch, and they need a Savior, and you're not giving them five points on how all this comes together. But let me say this. Once you are born again, I will tell you, is that one thing the enemy will always endeavor to do and he will always fight you over Amber he wants to uproot you he wants to deceive you how many times have I met folks who've been born again how many new converts have I talked off the ledge because they thought they were no longer worthy they thought that surely salvation wasn't for them how many saints in the pews have sat on salvation and the work that God has in their life because they came to grips and said well he did save me but I was such a wretch I was such a wreck that I can't do anything else I'm unqualified I'm incapable I can't be used my family's not good enough we've got too many problems we've got too many issues and if the devil can get you to believe those lies and have you park on a pew for your spirit existence then he has won it's not just about that you ran out of here and got drunk you ran out of here and got high you ran out of here and found you a boyfriend or girlfriend and was acting in an immoral way see a lot of times we think that those are the tactics and tools that the devil wants to use to get somebody out of their walk with God. And to some degree there's truth to that. Yes, I understand and know that there's pulls and there are temptations and there are some things that may be from your past that will try to creep back up and creep back in. And it takes the blood of Jesus. It takes the power of God. Amen. To keep those things under the blood. To walk and live in victory. 
victory. Yes, but I will tell you this. Is that there are many people. They ain't got a problem with carousing around. They ain't got a problem with being an alcoholic. They ain't got a problem with being an addict. They ain't got a problem. And you could go down the list and list every sin of the flesh. And maybe they'd say, I've got a handle on those things. But you know what they don't got a handle on? In the midnight hour, at the end of the day, and they're laying on the bed. And the devil stands at the proverbial foot of your bed. And will pull up everything from your past. Will embarrass you with everything that's ever happened. Will tell you how you failed in every way. And you ought to give up. And you ought to quit. That's why we need to know. I've been justified. I've been redeemed. There's somebody who made peace with God for me. And his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to tell you. More than often. I want you to understand that on any given service night. There's somebody sitting in this pew. And you're at a point in a place to say, I just don't know if I can go on any further. Spoke with a lady at a hospital the other day. And her words were, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost. And said, and I don't go to church and I don't go to church because I don't want to go and be a hypocrite. I don't want to go and be fake. I don't want to go and she gave all of her reasons. And in all of her reasons, as noble as she thought she would. Now listen. As long as she believes all of those reasons, she is convinced that she would have to have some things in order in her life before she could darken the door to make sure everything was all right. That's a lie from hell. There are many people who will make hell because they are living the should have, would have, could have. They were on the precipice. They were at the threshold. They were at the door. They were going to, Mildred. They, 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 they know they should have. They know that they could have. They've heard about the love of God. They've heard about His mercies. They've heard about all these things. But is there hope for me? I'll tell you right now, when we were preaching last week on the fact that all can be saved and the God of whosoever, I want to let you know tonight, and I believe that somebody, in this house you need to let this settle in your heart and let it resonate because the devil's been knocking because there's been working going on in your mind you're looking at pain you're looking at problems you're looking at circumstance and I'll tell you right now the devil doesn't fight fair he waits till that's your your lowest point when you're vulnerable when you're weak and he will hit you with everything that he's got and he looks at you with a bloodlust. He can't wait for you to remove yourself. And hear what I said there. That you remove yourself from the covenant of God. Out of the hand of God. Because if you look in the word of God. We find Christ said this. He said that speaking of those that believe on him. Said whom the father hath put in my hand. Listen to what the word of God said. Listen to what Christ said. Brother Segura. He said, and no man can pluck them out. No man, no demon, no devil, no denomination, no preacher. But sir and ma'am, who has the power to do it? You do. You do. 
And so when we hear about all the reasons why folks can't come to church, won't come to church, don't like this one, don't like that one, that one done me wrong, that one done me dirty, I don't like him, I don't like her. Well, you lost your argument. Because the word of God said, no man can pluck you out. But Sister Anna, I can willfully walk away. I sure can. And the enemy, he's looking, he's trying to pry. And see, here's the thing. That devil, he knows God's word too. The word of God tells us that even the demons believe and tremble. They do. They're aware. He knows. He knows what God has said. He asked you that, has God said? Because she had to make a decision, Eddie. She had to make a choice. Couldn't force anything on me. Oh, I know. I know she tried to blame the serpent. And then Adam tried to blame her. And the serpent blamed them. I mean, everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. That's how we do. That's how we are. It's our human nature. But I want to tell you tonight is that when we talk about what can, what can get me out of God's will, what would remove me from relationship with God what are the things it is when we are not settled in our hearts and know that we know that we know that brother Gary even on our worst day even when I've made a mess even when I'm a wreck even when my emotions are all over the place sister Amber when I'm not a man of faith in times where I'm weak in times when I'm tired in times when I'm frustrated here's what you have there has to come a point in time that you know that no matter what you are a child of the king and that Christ laid down his life for you and that I have been born again. I'm going to tell you, church, you might say, well, Brother Jacob, that's so elementary. But isn't it interesting that the devil will use such elementary tools and rudiments to try to uproot us out of our walk with God. He will use such things to create wedges so that we walk away. But to the man or the woman who understands what it is to be justified understands what it is to be redeemed understands the substitutionary work of Christ and what it means to us at the end of the day brother Segura when the dust settles if I failed if I fallen if I made a mess I'm still saved by the blood of the lamb oh The word of God says this, a righteous man, notice that term, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. He gets up again. Can I just tell you, you've heard me say this before, hell doesn't know what to do with a man or woman who has a made up mind. Hell is banking on the fact that you're double minded. Hell is banking on the fact that you're unable to stand. That's what God's word says. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Tossed to and fro, believing every wind of doctrine. Every whim, every thought, Chad. It says that man's just everywhere. 
Now, I'm not saying this to be ugly or saying this to be mean, but we have a whole lot of folks in today's church culture. They're saved one Sunday and they're backslid, give up, and walked out by Wednesday. Come on here. I have a dear friend of mine. If he ever hears this message, he knows I'm telling the truth. I used to get tickled at him. Brother Chad, he said when I was a, a young adult, he said I would, I would stand up and he said every year, he said I would start testify and thank God for saving me. And he said, I'm so glad God saved me in 1985, 86, 87, 88, 89. He said, and finally about 1989, he said, it stuck. Hallelujah. He said, I quit having to be born again every year. I quit having to be born again every week. I quit having to be born again. I had I to live for the next revival. Oh, I pray somebody hears what I'm saying. I don't have to live for the next camp meeting. I don't have to wait till the, oh, if I can just get to where Brother Jake is, if I can just listen to another Clinton City, if I can just get to this revival, that, there ain't nothing wrong with those things. But I'll tell you right now, you ain't got to be up and down and in and out. You're justified. You're born again by faith in Christ. So therefore stand Having done all to stand. Oh, may God endow the church again with mature believers. Let me say it again. May God bless the church again with mature believers. You had a bad day? Okay. You're still saved. Come on. Oh, Brother Jake, you got to counsel me. I kicked the cat and I slammed the door and I hollered at my wife and I drank decaffeinated coffee. And I mean, my days are wrecked. I just, I don't know if I'm saved. Come on. If you drank decaf, I'd wonder a little bit too. But anyway, we'll pray for you. Amen. But there, there's times, I know it sounds funny, but hear what I'm saying. There are some times that for too long you've allowed the enemy to run your emotions. And you are not established in faith, but you are a victim of how you feel. You are a victim of not being planted. You are a victim of not being mature in the faith. Paul said this. He said, there are those that are on the milk of the word. They're babes in Christ. That's not a terrible term. That is not an insulting term. We all start somewhere. We all learn. We all grow. We all go through some things. I love the new converts in this church. I love when Anna or Eddie or, or, or different ones will call and say, Okay, I got to talk to you about something. And... <laughs> I got. I got. I need to. We we got to have a discussion, and I love that. That don't bother me, and I don't. I also on the other end of the phone, or if we talk in person, I don't bite their head off and say, "How in the world can you ask me a question like that?" Have I done that yet, Sister Anna? All right. <laughs> I. You know, how embarrassing! Why would you say? How can you think that? No. What it is is we, Brother Gerard, we teach we nurture we pray for we guide ye that are elders 
Well, but I, I haven't been voted in as an elder of Victory Temple. That doesn't mean that. Those of you, let's say it this way, seasoned. You're seasoned. Come along and encourage. Oh, I, I know it's easy to come along and criticize. It's easy to come along and cut your eyes. It's easy to come along and by the time you get to your car in the parking lot, you're sitting there saying, I can't believe what I saw today. Come on here. They ought to be, no, listen, you've just forgot you had to start somewhere. There's a time you didn't know all the songs. There's a time you didn't know a tithe from an offering. There was a time you didn't know, well, do we pray here? Do we stand here? Do we do this? What, do we, what am I doing? There was a time that you had questions that now because you have some understanding, it makes sense to you. But the Bible says this, that there are babes in Christ who are on the milk of the word. But what we do is we graduate to, we grow into the meat of the word. We go deeper. We understand more. There are some things that are settled. I want to tell everybody, whether you, say, whether you might think, oh, I'm on the milk, and others might think we're on the meat, I, it doesn't matter where, whether you're there or there or somewhere in between. I can tell you this. Even if you're seasoned, you have not reached a pinnacle. You have not reached a place where you've got it all figured out. God's still working. God's still dealing, and the devil's still fighting. Has he given up fighting you, Brother Keith? No. I'll, I'll, I'll never, ever forget Sister Amy. Sister Amy was one of our shut-ins in, in our church in Illinois. Would go by every other week or so, check in on her, pray with her. If we had communion at the church, we'd take communion, have it with her. We'd have discussion. She was 85 years old. She was pretty much confined to her chair and... Just it seemed like every week, every month, her physical condition got worse. And it just got to the point she just she couldn't really do anything. Even, you know, health care, everything kind of had to come to her. And Brother Gary, I remember her saying, I remember her saying many on many occasions, she said she would, she would start crying and she'd say, I can't pray the way that I used to pray. She said we used to, she said us women in the church used to get together and have prayer meetings. She said prayer meetings that would shake the walls of that church. She said there was some prayer meeting so powerful. She said we'd be called up in a spirit of prayer and said folks would be coming into the church for service to start and they'd just walk on down where prayer meeting was going on and said the Holy Ghost would just begin to move and break out in the service and, and just make its way up into the sanctuary. She said I used to be able to pray. She said pastor I used to be able to I could just literally just shake the heavens. She said, but I can't do it now. She said, now I fall asleep and now I'm weak. She said, I lose my breath. She said, I can't do those things. And she said, the devil fights me all the time. At 85 years old, she ain't out in the bars. She ain't out doing immoral sin. There she is. There she is. She's down in her health. Brother Chad, she's battling in her mind. And the enemy still at 85 working on her to say, see there, because you can't pray, you must not be saved. Because you can't do what you used to, you must be given up on God. These were things that she would say. I said, Sister Amy, let me tell you, you may not be able to pray like you used to physically. You may not have the breath. I said, but sis, let me tell you, the blood of Jesus, like the song says, it'll never lose its power. And I said, if all you can do is lay there and think it, 
Just think it. Just think about his goodness and think about his power and think about his word. If all you can do is whisper, Jesus, I said, it's enough. You've been saved by faith in Christ Jesus. At 85, she was still fighting the battle. The enemy still looking for a stronghold. Still looking to uproot her and upset her. Justified. I want you to understand tonight. Justification. It means to be accounted or declared righteous. What does righteous mean? Righteous means that we are in right standing with God. That we are in right standing with God. There are a lot of ways that people try to attribute righteousness. And when they try to do that, Brother Matthew, it is called self-righteousness. When in ourselves, remember we were talking a couple weeks back under the subject of all have sinned. And I preached that message on too good to be true. And the fact that we, we get sometimes convinced of our goodness we get convinced of the good people we run in circles with. We get used to our spiritual cliques and clubs. We get used to our circle of, of different ones or what our church does. And bless God, we don't do what the other churches do. We're so holy. We're so right. We're so righteous. And, and uh, well, I do this and we sing this song, but we don't sing that song. We do this and we don't do that. Listen. I understand there's arguments for all those different types of things. You've heard me say I've been very honest and true about some things that happen in the church today that if you ever see it happen here, you better vote me out. You better move me along the way. We love you, Brother Jake. Appreciate you, but we ain't going to tolerate it here. Amen? But here's what I want you to understand is that in all of these things, if we're not careful, then instead of preaching the gospel, hear what I'm saying. Instead of preaching the gospel, I could stand here and preach all my standards. I could stand here and preach all the things of what I, why I think the church down the road is wrong and why we are right. And let me tell you something. That kind of preaching has never saved the world. It hasn't. Is there time and place to set some boundaries? Is there time and place to give instruction? Is there time and place to take a stand? Absolutely. But understand, that is not the gospel. So righteousness means that we are in right standing with God. For the eons of time, as long as there's been humanity, man has done his own thing to circumvent God's plan to try to be right and good. You go back to Cain and Abel. The first instance where there was two people who knew what God required. God required a blood sacrifice. We find in the word of God that without the shedding of blood, there's no remissions of sin. So before Christ came to give his life on Calvary and shed his blood and become the, the sacrifice once and for all, no more. We, don't, we ain't bringing turtle doves in here. We ain't sacrificing uh, lambs and we ain't doing all that kind of stuff because that went away when Christ came and he shed his blood but until then blood had to be shed to appease God for man's sin we find Cain and Abel 
we find in the fact, you remember the story. Abel brought forth the right offering, the sacrifice, that offering, that, that, that sacrifice of blood. And we find that Cain, he brought a, his offering of the vegetation of the ground. Brother Danny, he looked, he apparently had a green thumb. He apparently was gifted. He looked at them cabbages and radishes and corns and squash and zucchinis and green. Am I making anybody hungry yet? I believe he had some okra in there. Where I'm from, we don't say okra, it's okra. Isn't that right, Aunt Shaggy? It's okra. They had some okra and they had some snap peas in there, Sister Cindy. They had all the good stuff, lettuce and cabbage. He had all this. He said, man, he put it together better than a charcuterie board. Say that three times fast. Amen. He put it all together and he, he goes before the Lord and he says, look at this offering. Look at what I've brought. Look at how good I am. Look at how good this offering is. And the Bible says God rejected his offering. Doesn't it? Why, Brother Eli? Because as early as Cain and Abel, Cain said, I'm going to do it different than what God said. I will be righteous in my own way. He rejected the offering. He accepted Abel's offering. Cain has a jealous fit of rage and kills his brother. All because he was self-righteous. So understand, to be right with God, justification means that we are accounted righteous. We have been deemed righteous. Paul was trying to deal with the church and trying to deal with religious-minded people who believed that righteousness stemmed from the fact that they were the children of Abraham, that they were, their, their men were circumcised, that they followed the law, they did this, they did that, they kept all the, all the rituals, they kept all the things, and they had a lot of stuff they added to it. And Paul was trying to say, you're looking at all this stuff. And he said, that does not justify you. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, Christ, what did Christ say? Let's just look at what Christ said. Christ said, he said, I did not come to do away with the law. He said, but I came to fulfill it. Everything man's been trying to do through the premise of the law, he said, they cannot do it because you're human. You fail. He said, there has to be one that through him that everything can be fulfilled. And that was Christ. Christ drove religious people nuts. I mean, they couldn't stand him. Let me just tell you this right here. You cannot give enough tithe money. You cannot feed, Brother Coleman, you could feed the homeless from the East Coast to the West Coast. And, everywhere in between, and you still would not be righteous on your own merit. Good works, yes. But righteous, no. You could visit the poor. You could give to the needy. You could build churches and hospitals. You could spend every weekend volunteering at a, every hospital in the Golden Triangle, every nursing home. Although they're good things, but it does not make you righteous. It doesn't. And here's what we have. You say, well, Brother Jacob, I understand all of that, but here's the thing is that the enemy of your soul, Brother Scott, he's always wanting to attack your right standing with God. He wants to diminish the work of Christ in your life. What time is it? I'm running out of time. See, I told you. I warned you. 
I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get there. Some of you under your blankets are getting sleepy, so I've got to bring this. I've got to wrap this up. And I'm not picking on Laura. She said, I'm freezing. I'm not, I'm not picking. Laura opened her eyes real wide. It's not me. It's not me. Amen. But here's what happens, though, is here's what I want you to understand is that we are dealing with the human element and the fact that we are all the time, Brother Gary. We are all the time, we are comparing our righteousness up against the righteousness of other people. We're always comparing ourselves. You've done it today. At some point, sometime. It may have not been on spiritual matters. You compared yourself against what somebody else's house looked like and what your house looks like. What somebody else's yard looks like what your yard looks like. What they drive and you drive. What you had for lunch... A bologna sandwich, and they brought in salt grass. I mean, it just, it just did not seem fair, right? Your outfit on Sunday and their outfit on Sunday. I'm going to tell you right now, every one of us, to a certain degree, we spend too much time in comparison. And the advent of the Internet and social media has multiplied it by a million. Technology is wonderful when it's used appropriately, but it has brought about devastation for many. And they live in a place of def being defeated because they're always looking at somebody else. And it's not just people doing that. If you're not careful, pastors can do it because everybody in their brother's church is online now. Well, their church does this. Their church does that. Their church has, the, they sing those songs. Their church does this. Look how many they had. Look how little they had. Look at all that. Look at that. I don't, I don't, I'm here preaching. I don't go back and watch our live stream. And I don't spend time watching others. That's not to be cruel. That's not to be mean. It's not to be conceited. But I don't want to get wrapped up in comparisons. I want to be present in what God is doing right here. And what he's called me to do. He did not call me to worry about and pastor that church over in Timbuktu that I'm never going to be at. And sit there, well, I can't believe they did that, bless God. I wouldn't preach that. I wouldn't think, that's none of my business. What's my business? Victory Temple. What's my business is right here. And so I want you to understand something. Is that there's all these comparisons of righteousness. But when we look at righteousness, it comes from the fact that we have been justified. Justification. The text that we were reading from said it was Christ who has justified us. It is His sacrifice, His blood that has justified us. When I was growing up, they taught us this little saying. Just as if I never sinned. It does not mean we never sinned, but justification means, Brother Eli, that in God's eyes, the sin has been wiped away. That'd make an Episcopalian shout right there. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody needs to let that resonate. You've got, listen, 
the enemy, he will roll out to you because he's been keeping record, Brother Gary. How do you know that, Brother Jacob? Because the Word of God says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's got file cabinets on me, Brother Tobin, and he's got file cabinets on you. He knows everything we've done. That's why he goes back. You ever found somebody has a mind of an elephant, the memory of an elephant, and they can go back and you could be in a you could you could be in an argument, you could be in and they say, Well, I remember back in 1992 in March, it was a Wednesday, and you said this to me at church. You did this to me. You did I remember that night. There's some folks, boy, I mean, you got it. You understand it. That's what the enemy does. He knows. He knows all the things, and he loves to throw it up. Have you ever noticed he loves to do it at the most inconvenient times? Have you ever noticed he doesn't fight fair? He don't do that. He don't believe in it. He, don't, he was the inventor of the trap door. He's the author of the sneak attack. He does those things. And so what happens is, is it's the fact, I love how Corey Ten Boom said it, Brother Danny comes, Sister Carolyn comes. I love how Corey Ten Boom, I've told you this story, but I love it. I'll keep sharing it. But Corey Ten Boom was preaching about forgiveness. She was talking about the atrocities that happened to her, her family, and the consecration camps. All the things that transpired. And she still talked about the fact of her sin, her life, and how God forgave her. She said, God is so rich in mercy. He took all my sins and he threw it into the depths of the sea. That's what the word of God says. But I like what she said. She said, and he went a little bit further and he posted a no fishing sign at the seashore. Why? Because it's not for me to keep dragging them up. And it's not for anybody else to drag them up. I've been justified. Not on my own accord. I'm not good enough on my own. But Brother Michael, because of what Christ did for me, justified me. I stand guiltless because of Him. I stand righteous because of Him. I stand born again new creation brother Eddie it don't matter the marks on your body it don't matter and brother Eddie knows what I'm talking about me and him know it don't matter the things that tell you about your past God says when I see you justified a new creation Wasted time, wasted years, and then God says, It's brand new. It's brand new. Sister Mary, every doubt, every fear, whatever the case, Brother Chad, Brother Jerry, it doesn't matter who you are. You face it, you deal with it, you struggle with it. And Brother Marvin, we've got to be reminded because of Christ, we've been justified justified you know what that reminds me of when I really think about it it's not my clothes that justify me it is not church membership that justifies me it is not the pastor that justifies me it is not all the things we look at that justify me it only comes by way of Jesus Christ so I ain't got to put stock on all that other stuff it's only Christ 
Somebody say that with me. Say, it's only Christ. You need to remember that. <laughs> I want to tell somebody tonight, come tomorrow morning after you've left this altar service and you're feeling good, tomorrow morning he's going to show up, Michael. And he's going to push on you and pick at you and play with your mind and say, oh, but don't you know, don't you remember? He'll whisper in your ear and he'll tell you all the stuff, all the things. Just square your shoulders and smile and say, you're right, devil, I did it. I was guilty. You're right. I did it. I said it. I acted out. I did those things. But you know what I am today? I'm not perfect, but I am justified. You know what I am today? I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. You know what I am today? I know that you can't tell by my Walmart socks and my Dollar General shoes, but I've got royal blood flowing through my veins. I've been born again. Christ loved me so much that he died for me and he justified me. Hallelujah. You need to know it. Live it. And share it and give it to somebody else. You hear me? Don't just sit back and you reap the benefits. Share it and give it to somebody else. What do you mean, Sister Mary? I'm going to give somebody the same courtesy that Christ gave me. I'm going to give somebody the same courtesy that Christ gave me. That's why we started with the God of whosoever. Can we bow our heads tonight? Father... I thank you for every one of these hearts. I thank you tonight for your good word. Your word is good and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it pierces the heart, the marrow of our soul and our mind. And Father, I pray tonight you would challenge our hearts. I pray, God, speak. Speak to those tonight, God, who might be struggling. Speak with someone who might be teetering on places of thinking, wondering if they are worthy, wondering if they're able. Maybe some who've been convinced of their own self-righteousness, but tonight we're reminded you are the only one that makes us righteous. You are the only one capable. We cannot claim denomination, religion. We cannot claim position, resumes, or pedigrees. Oh, but God, only through you, only through your love and your mercy, and I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for it. And I pray tonight we grab a hold of it. Tonight, you're here in this house and you'd say, Brother Jake, I want to be sure my heart is anchored in the fact that I'm justified. The devil's tormented me. He has fought me. He has tried me. He has tested me. He has tried to uproot me. I've tried to compare myself by other means of righteous standards. And all I know, all I can do, I'm trying, Pastor. I'm trying. But all I know to do and the only thing I can do is keep pursuing the righteousness of God. Keep pursuing after relationship with Him. And He'll draw me in and He'll draw me nigh and He'll deal with me and cut some things out of me and cleanse me. Hi, tonight I want to keep that place and mindset of victory. If that's us tonight, come on. Come on. Why don't we find ourselves a place to pray? Why don't we come tonight and find ourselves a place? Won't you let it solidify in your heart, your mind? 
Won't you let it sink into the core of your soul? Somebody here tonight, you've been battling, you're wrestling the past. You're wrestling present day failures. You're wrestling present day testings and temptations. The enemy's trying to talk you out of it. The enemy's trying to make you feel inferior. The enemy's trying to make you think you can't. The enemy's trying to make you believe that it's impossible. The enemy's tried to make you believe that God's given up on you. Oh, but you're saved by the blood. Justified. You're in right standing because of the blood. You're in right standing because of relationship with him. Oh, I thank you, Lord. You've got enough power. You've got enough love. Your blood is enough to forgive me my sin. To wash Thank me and cleanse me. Saving. To help me. Oh, that I might live in victory. A sinner like me.